And the one thing I'll say, like the United States is, you know, chart, birth chart, mm-hmm. the one that's most commonly accepted by astrologers has a lot to do with ancestral trauma, that there is a trauma and deep things that are deeply buried and that are mm. so entrenched that have to come out in a way that feels like explosive and in a wow. very like the tower-esque kind of way where it's this can't there's no actual way to sugarcoat um, a lot of what's coming up. Hello, love. Welcome. Thank you so much for dropping into Time in the Studio today, where we share behind the scenes stories of creatives and plant people and recount tales of change, connection, and possibility. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Miller. How are you? Wow. The past couple of weeks have been filled with so much anger, grief, fear, processing, and just pure exhaustion on the send, but also hope. And beauty. I hope you're able to give yourself some love and grace and space at this time. I realized it's long overdue, but I've begun diving into anti-racist work and I just want to acknowledge I have not done enough. I need to do better. And a couple of things I'm planning on doing moving forward, I vow to amplify more voices by people of color read a book every month about dismantling racism and support more businesses and organizations run by people of color and structured to help people of color. And I need to have more conversations with white people about white privilege and fragility. And I'm also offering one-on-one healing sessions at 50% off for people who identify as Black, Indigenous, people of color, queer, or trans. What are you up to? What are you doing to support this beautiful revolution and change towards a more equitable world? I want to hear what you're up to. Let's connect on Instagram or Facebook. And so I'm so excited to share with you the conversation I had with Staj Hansen. She is an astrologer, tarot reader, and medium. We discuss the history of the United States, the astrology of the United States, and how it's experiencing its Pluto return, which is definitely linked to upheaval and transformation and the need for our culture to evolve and move forward. We discuss race and how healing ancestral trauma can help to overthrow systems of oppression within ourselves and systematically at large. Before we dive in to our conversation, though, I want to give a shout out to some timelines this week. These were all chosen by the guest, Staj Hansen. Uh, The first timeline this week is the Femme Empowerment Project. This project is hosting street medic trainings for folks on the ground in Minnesota. As healers, we have the ability to come prepared mentally and with equipment to protest. We can put ourselves in the role of tending to protesters who have been assaulted. I find the Femme Empowerment Project's work to be highly relevant. They also organize and host a lot of workshops relevant to the needs and questions of queer, trans, and intersex Black, Indigenous people of color. Up next is BEAM, that's B-E-A-M. Black emotional and mental health, emotional wellness and mental health is at the forefront of the work we do as healers for others. BEAM is focused on the many lenses of healing from therapy to yoga to artwork and provides these resources for the purpose of healing the Black community. 
the Innocence Project is the third time late this week. It is clear that the systemic abductions of Black people from their families and communities to fund the prison system is deeply harmful pipeline in our country. We must correct the staggering disproportions of Black people and people of color from poor communities being funneled into incarceration. The Innocence Project thoroughly organizes to exonerate, educate, and legislate our way to a more just world. Such wonderful organizations are so important in this transformation. Please consider supporting them financially if that is an option for you at this time. Okay, let's dive into the show. Cha-cha-cha. Oh my gosh, I am absolutely blessed to have on the podcast today Anastasia Hansen. She is a remarkable tarot reader. She also does really beautiful astrology chart readings and composite synastry charts. She'll tell you more about that as we evolve, but she is just a really profound poet and healer and helper in this world. And I just, I always am inspired by conversations with her. She's a deep listener and can see parallels and connections in stories. And I really love how she weaves astrology with the tarot and just the way she sees the universe is really profound and just makes things sparkle in a new way. So I think you're going to enjoy this chat. Thank you so much, Anastasia, for being here today. Thank you for having me. I had to yeah. hold back a giggle as you introduced <laughs> me because I was, I was like, wow, that's so sweet. Oh <laughs> I'm like, gosh. wow, who is she? <laughs> oh my gosh. So Anastasia, I would love to dive in and hear a little bit your description of what you do and also some highlights along your path, what brought you to where you are now. And also, if you want to talk about any of your background. Sure. Absolutely. I am in primarily, I'm an astrologer and a tarot reader. To me, with that comes a little bit of intuitive reading or a little bit of medium work, but that's not usually how I think about myself. I usually would tell um, other people or think of myself as being an astrologer in the Western tradition, as opposed to like the Vedic tradition from uh, South Asia and a tarot reader. The beginnings of that to me were like very young. I know my mom always had Oracle decks when I was growing up and I loved, I loved, I think my childhood was pretty chaotic. So I think having, she had angel, uh, oracle cards. So going through those always made me feel deeply connected to something that was beyond that ca- the chaos of those moments. And then mm-hmm. I found the tarot. I found my first tarot deck in Boone, North Carolina when I was 12, I think, 12 or 13. It was that summer. And was on and off using that until a, like until probably I started college uh, four years ago five years ago almost. And, and yeah, that was when I kind of, it became a little bit more regular of a practice for me with the Tarot. I read Rachel Pollack's 78 Degrees of Wisdom on a journey with a couple of friends to Canada and back to Vancouver and back. Mm -hmm. And I did some readings for 
people. It was a very kind of vagabond moment of my life, just meeting people at campgrounds. And I would do my own tarot. And then other people would inevitably be like, is that tarot? Like, will you do a reading for me? Like, yeah, sure. But that was when I kind of started doing readings for people outside like my inner circle, like really Mm -hmm. close family or friends or myself. And that was 2018. So pretty recently, almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. But my connection to it's been pretty long since I was a child. Mm -hmm. And then with astrology, I remember being on Tumblr. (laughs) And um, (laughs) when I was 2012, the summer of 2012, and I remember reading a post that had to do with people's moon signs. Like we all knew about sun signs. What are, mm-hmm. What's your sun sign? I'm a Leo. Like, but it said moon signs. I was like, whoa, like that opened a whole thing for me. I was like, moon mm-hmm. signs, like that seems so interesting. And then even as a kid before then, my um, mom, my parents always had like the big, uh, it's like the big book of days or something like that. It's an mm-hmm. astrology book, but it's very mainstream kind of like your birthday and then what that, what your birthday means. But then, so then from when I saw that post, it was like, well, how do I learn my moon sign? And then someone had a link, like you can go to this website, you put in your birthday, your birth time, your city you were born in, it shows you your whole birth chart. And then I learned you don't just have a sun and a moon sign. Like you have everything, like every body, every celestial body, like, you know, every planet, every dwarf planet or, and some asteroids especially are key in the use of like Western uh, astrology of doing Mm. birth chart readings or composite synastry readings, depending on what you're uh, going for. And that just opened up the whole world for me. And I think I was 14 years old then and I'm about to be 23. So, and it's been nonstop. Like, even though I've been in school studying other things that have been important to me, it's always been in the background. Like I would always have a tab open or a book that I was reading. And then I would always try to get my hands on as many charts as possible. If it was my friends or my family and my own chart, and then just come back to it time and time again, see Mm -hmm. how I can look at that differently. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just feels like a real part of me. I'm so happy that I'm starting to offer services to other people. The services I've done so far in the reading so far have been really positive and affirming. And I just feel like this is always going to be something I carry through the world, no matter what I'm, I'm doing. It feels like yes. very much a part of me. That's so beautiful. It's just amazing. <laughs> just all the wisdom and the depth of information you have. Like when you read my chart, I was just blown away by the awareness that you had of all these different planets and asteroids and stars and the, I things that I had no idea about, you just have a very deep curiosity and interest in astrology and in the tarot. So I love your readings. I feel like you're very gifted. You have a natural (laughs) intuitive gift that is really profound and combined with your understanding of how those things are working in the physical world too. The historical background of the tarot and the story of the tarot. And I think looking at those, those layers of stories 
and mm-hmm. how they connect to modern time is super fascinating as well. Yeah, I'm curious, what is, if you could tell me a little bit more about what synastry charts or composite charts are, because that seems really interesting, sure. just how that aligns. Sure. And I think there's like brief explanations on my website, mm-hmm. but the kind of readings I offer vary between if it's a single person reading or a couple reading mm-hmm. that I'm reading for. If it's a single person, I'm pretty much just going to look at your birth chart, which is that you know image of where everything, all celestial bodies are, and it's imposed onto a two-dimensional plane. So there's something to me that's a little bit lost there, but it's still a really good tool to look at where if we believe like as earthbound and based creatures that were part of the system and it's that our solar system, then where, what were the circumstances of that system at the time that we were born? So Mm -hmm. everyone, you know, pretty much has their own unique relationship to the world based on what they were born into and so that would be a birth or a natal uh, chart reading would be n-a-t-a-l natal chart so if i'm working one-on-one with a person i'll just take that chart we'll talk about that and then look at transits so where is everything now if this is where everything was when you were born what does that have to do with the present moment and how are you being challenged based on the relationships Uh, certain bodies are making to each other? Or how are you being given an opportunity to totally transform a part of yourself or your relationship to the world or to other people, to yourself, whatever it is? Mm -hmm. With couples, I will do synastry and composite charts. So yeah, I will look at your individual charts that's important to me, like to provide context, like who are these people on their own? Mm-hmm. Uh, with the synastry, I take person A's chart and person B's chart. We overlap them and we look at where connections are being made. So how, what does person A find so compelling about person B? What does person B like have and how are they in the world that person A feels connected to or in awe or they feel safe with that person. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of looking at how all the individual functions of each person are relating to each other. What are the complications? Where are they really challenging each other? And with the composite chart, it's a brand new chart that you take by um, finding, you use the midpoint method, um, which would be where you take person A's moon, let's say, and person B's moon, and you find where the moon would be that's right smack dab in between both of those. And you would do that for every um, body, every planet, every asteroid, whatever it is in the, in the chart, that would show you an entirely new picture. And that is the chart for the kind of destiny of two people together. So when you... When two people, and that could be for a parent and child, it could be for friends, it could be for like a partnership, it could be like even a business partnership or whatever. You just are able to see the themes of what does this relationship bring into the world? What what are the inherent qualities, struggles, and gifts of the relationship itself? So I absolutely love (laughs) I love doing the individual work too because it's it's such a changing um, picture and there's a lot of potential 
for you to redefine yourself in those moments. And with couples, it's harder. Like it's harder mm-hmm. to, I mean, you have two people and where they're meeting in the, in the middle, it's, there tends to be a little bit more difficulty to just ch- fundamentally change the entire relationship. So mm-hmm. I just love being able to engage with these different ways, the different patterns and, and just like seeing, and there's so many different possibilities even between certain patterns, but looking at the entire picture together and seeing what stands out. um, It's just really engaging. That sounds so fascinating and so fun just to think of a relationship between two people as this separate entity. And then also to think of it as like two people overlapping independently. And it'd be interesting to compare those two charts and see kind of what that connection is too. So I love just all these different ways of looking at a person and understanding the complexity of who we all are, what our struggles are, and different ways of kind of reckoning with those shadow sides of ourselves, those beautiful parts of ourselves, and figuring out kind of how to continue evolving and growing and using that as a form of self-awareness and growth. Absolutely. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious a little bit. I don't know if it's too soon to dive into this, but you've mentioned we're in a strange time. I mean, since, especially since 2020 and wow, this week has just felt really intense and and really beautiful in some ways. There are changes that are happening I, that I see that are positive and it's painful and it's challenging. And so, yeah, I just want to understand what is going on in the stars right now. Can you give us a little <laughs> glimpse into that world? I do think we can understand some of the things as they appear on the earth plane or whatever you want to call it in our world in a like thematic sense. So when we talk about for this week, we, uh, you know, for instance, we've been very focused about racism in the United States and Mm -hmm. the levels that that operates on. That can be, we know that racism and white supremacy are, you know, and of course, for context, for anyone listening, I am, I am a cisgender white woman. So this is just my perspective. That's information, you know, I feel like you should know as Mm -hmm. I'm about to, I'm about to say this, but I do think, you know, racism, white supremacy, and the silencing of, of non-white people in all these different ways. I mean, it's so systemic, it's so entrenched, but Mm -hmm. it, it operates on different levels on the micro and the macro way. And when we understand that it can feel a little like overwhelming for any person who wants to confront that and who wants to change that. But I do think just with anything that happens on the macro level, you're going to feel connected to it based on who you are as an individual person. No denying that. And I think we need to understand that a lot of being able to influence things on that level begins with us. And it begins with our own consciousness, like where we take that consciousness, what body that consciousness is inhabiting. And with I think there's a we all, the astrologers the Western astrologers knew for a while that 
this was going to be heavy. 2020 was going to be the start of some heavy, intense social changes. The conjunctions between Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto, that cycle has started at the beginning of 2020. It's something that will culminate in the conjunction or the overlapping of the planets Jupiter and Saturn in the sky um, from the Earth perspective on the winter solstice of 2020. Mm -hmm. At that point, it becomes this real compelling moment for people on the ground level to redefine and understand what is working, what is not working for us anymore. This Mm -hmm. is the moment where we get to create a new society. Not only that, but these things are also overlapping. The themes of redefining your world, a new set of laws and codes and an opportunity for growing or at least planting the seed of new growth. These things are also happening with in terms of or with the context of conjunctions or overlappings with the plant or the you know dwarf planet Pluto, which even though it's small, it is mighty. I think people mm. we have been noticing since its discovery in the 30s that prominent charts, whether they're events or they're people, those charts that have a prominent Pluto influence, they're intense. You know, Scorpio's ruled by Pluto. Scorpio's the, n- known to be intense. Mm. And so the the fact that this kind of redefining the terms of our society in a completely new way it's also happening at the at a, the very beginning of Aquarius at 0 degrees Aquarius so there's a lot of new potential going on here it starts a, a new cycle of Jupiter and Saturn meeting in air signs for over a hundred years, between a hundred and two hundred years. So there's a new cycle to that. When Pluto is thrown in the mix with that, it's completely, oh, it is intense. It's like you are busting the lid off of something that's been, has all this pressure and it just explodes everywhere. That's like the velocity. That's the intensity of Mm. like this planet thematically it absolutely has to do with the shadow side of the world and power structures and it does have to do with racism has to do with the oppression of people and the way that we either embrace that or we choose to we choose power with as opposed to power over pluto's about Mm. power it's it's gonna be there and you can either choose to have power over people which we know our society itself and as individuals we relate to our society we've chosen power over and now there's this opportunity it doesn't have to be power over the Mm -hmm. power is going to be there but we don't have to cave into the illusion that you know that is the way i think this is a moment where we're being offered um a completely transformative way to approach these things. Pluto is also a very transformative and regenerative property. So the fact that we have this whole new cycle happening, the first in, you know, hundreds of years in the air signs with Pluto so close by and coming into its own conjunctions with these planets. There's a lot of power for us to take up here. We can this is leveraging us to be able to change, to really bring to the surface all those hidden, those things, the racism and the power structures and the inequality that had been mm-hmm. in the cracks 
just flood it, bring it to the surface and just figure out how we're going to dispose of it or how we're going to treat it and how we can treat all the different parts of our society and our world that we're harboring those things. There's a lot of potential and astrologers have been looking forward to this time for a while. The United States is especially linked up to this because this Mm. 2024 is the United States's Pluto return. Pluto will be for the mm. first time in 200 and I think 80 something years, almost 300 years wow. since like the founding of the United States. It will be in the exact same place that it was at that time. So wow. what what did power look like then? What were what were you know power systems looking like then? What were the secrets of our country? You know at that time, what were the dark? What's the darkness there? And mm. what was the what was the potential? We wrote at that time all that all people are created, all, all men are created equal. There's clearly something simmering under the surface of that, that mm. in the, the whole cycle that the United States has been present for, has, there's been a potential energy there that we've wanted to tune into. And some points we have, and now we can completely redefine that. And we can put that in new language, a new, a new recognition. So the United States, I think more than a lot of countries, is absolutely going to be feeling the intensity and the, the forest fire that is like a Pluto return. It's like mm-hmm. it's, we need to burn some stuff down. It's, yeah. it's taking up space for new things to grow here. The very like That's very much in alignment with the regenerative quality of of Pluto. We need to look at what needs to be taken out and how we're going to take those things out so that there can we can nourish the soil for these hopes and dreams of ours to to take root. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's just I feel like there's something in that the idea of power with instead of power over and I just keep thinking of like what if we just got rid of prisons? What if we just got rid of cops? Like, I feel like that would be amazing. And cops, prisons, you know, like any system of, of inequality, absolutely how we police or how we, uh, our justice systems. I mean, these are all very thematically Plutonian, you know, qualities. And especially once you are having like Jupiter and Saturn in the mix, like the law and order part is, Mm -hmm. is very loud there to me. Yeah. And the educational systems, the way that that Mm -hmm. is just, there's a hierarchy there and it's, there's just so many barriers to entry. And then, you know, if you do go to school, there's this weight of these school loans that just weighs on you forever. And, mm-hmm. and then the medical yeah. system is a huge issue as mm-hmm. well. And there's just, there's so much work to be it's done. It's like but- pick, pick anything. You know? <laughs> 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 it all kind of needs to go. Yeah, I mean, we're true. doing, I think we really are doing more things wrong or not wrong but necessarily it's just that's painful it's like more things violently than mm-hmm. we should be doing mm-hmm. we know we know that things ha- have to change but i do think this alignment of it was going to happen mm-hmm. not that anybody had to necessarily lose their lives i don't believe that i but i do right. think 
that the world was always going to come to this moment and demand, especially in the United States, demand a complete reform. Mm -hmm. And the question is, as individuals, where do we stand with that? As people inhabiting different bodies, as Mm -hmm. people who have had different traumas and different intensities to their trauma and different, from looking at astrology there's one asteroid chiron which Mm -hmm. is something i look at a lot that has to do with trauma and Mm -hmm. and the pain like the most painful kind of things that people will have to live with and experience and come to peace with and find healing from and everyone has that that's asteroids always going to exist but you know, it's not to say that anybody doesn't have their own traumas, but there is a difference between how often in the world I'm confronted with my trauma, as opposed Mm -hmm. to like a black woman raising a child. Mm -hmm. How often is she confronted with her trauma, like, Mm -hmm. and her absolute valid fears Mm -hmm. and they shouldn't be valid. Like we, we, our society should not be validating that, but there's an opportunity here and it's just, we have to stay grounded in what we have to get to clarity about what our work is, how we relate to the whole. And I think astrology is, I think, you know, when you have a good astrologer, they're really helpful at contextualizing where is this hitting you the most? We can kind of look and see where is the, the heaviness of the world? What is, what is that calling you as an individual to, transform or Mm -hmm. to redefine Mm, cool I'm curious I've heard about Chiron a little bit but I don't know enough so can you fill in a little bit what is Chiron how does it relate to trauma just a little bit more about Chiron and understanding that Yeah. Chiron is an asteroid that is found in the orbits in between Saturn and Uranus. So if Saturn takes two and a half years to change zodiac signs, Mm -hmm. to move from one zodiac sign to the next, it's two and a half years. Uranus is closer to seven to eight years. Mm -hmm. And I believe Chiron, uh, and it's a little bit, the timing is a little bit, I'm a little bit more vague on, I believe it's about four years that it takes to Mm. transit but it has a highly elliptical orbit meaning Mm. it's not that time that it takes to come back and make a full cycle um, it's not evenly distributed it'll spend more time in some signs than where we find chiron in our charts the zodiac sign in the house that it falls into or the part of the sky that that it is in they're important Mm-hmm. However, the relationship that that asteroid is making to say the sun, the moon, where are those things where we're born? And are they in a relationship with each other? Or are they making an angle to each other from the Earth perspective that's seen as challenging or that's seen as more cooperative? Meaning like, you know, no matter what, you're going to have a relationship with that part of yourself. But some people are born um, with that more at the forefront for them. And in a way where they can continue to like kind of work and show up in life without it being much of an obstruction. Some people push it away. Some people really say, I can't look at this. I don't want to look at this. You know, I, it's too painful or they just, how they're set up. They just, they don't really have, they don't feel like they're coming to the world with the tools to 
to really uh, confront their traumas. Things aren't set up in such a way. And that always changes. Like it's always a changing, you know, who you were when you were born, that natal chart, that stays the same. But Mm -hmm. as things shift in real time, your relationship to the whole principle of your of trauma is mm. going to change. Mm. So these are always in flux. Chiron is based off of the myth of the centaur who the great irony was that he could heal others, but he couldn't heal himself. He had an unhealable mm. wound, but he could heal other people's wounds, just never his own. So in the placement of Chiron, we find a lot of wisdom about painful or hard to confront realities, even though these things might never, it's, it's not that you're supposed to never have that. It's a part of you. You know, it's hard to say to someone when you're working with their chart and their trauma, and it's so there and we need to talk about it. It's really hard to like say, I don't necessarily say it, but to kind of say, you know, this is a part of you. But it doesn't mean that you have to keep the same relationship with that. You won't. Mm. That's not mm-hmm. how nature works. Like you, that you're going to have a changing relationship with those really difficult things that have either happened to you or that you feel tuned into. That's, it's going to change. Just as it gets better, it will get hard. You're going to discover that there are other facets to that, to that trauma or to that baggage, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that you hadn't considered before you haven't had to live or experience in quite that way. And then once you kind of go through the hell of that, it passes, you know, you, mm-hmm. but you, you're required to stay engaged and figure out how to not shut down. You're not living this human experience to be shut off, you know, mm-hmm. but, it, and it's so wow. complicated. It's so complicated to, you know, have, this that kind of conversation and when people don't want to talk about it I don't really want to push it but when people Mm -hmm. have an awareness and they say I know I need to work on this because it's I can't find healing for myself until I can really confront it then that's when I know I have the green light to talk about how some things are working for and some things are working against when you can start with that awareness that's the most important step yeah I love that and I think it's it seems really important that you're witnessing people too, like to be looking at when they were born, noticing, okay, you may have these wounds or these traumas just from the timing and the placement Mm -hmm. of how you came into this world, but you can work through it. And I think to witness people is to be transformed or to be witnessed is to transform. Like there's something so healing. And so it allows you to move from one level to the next. Like I think trauma needs to be witnessed. It needs to surface in order for it to heal. And I think that is part of the reason why there's so much unhealed racial trauma in this country. Like you know, I started listening to this book, My Grandmother's Hands, and it's talking about how the people who came to this country as invaders, white people came here, they inflicted so much trauma on 
each other and then to everyone around them. And it's just continued. And there's just been so much trauma that it's not acknowledged and Mm -hmm. looked at. And I don't know, we haven't healed it somehow. I don't know what the secret is exactly, but there's something about looking at it that I think might help us transform it and move to a new place. Well, and what I will say about that, and like I said before, no two people experience their trauma the same way. Mm -hmm. And based on a set of external factors, like if you live in a racist society, or it could be other things, like in other parts of the world, they're pretty ethnically homogenous in certain countries, but there's strong gender or sexual orientation disparity. Here Mm -hmm. we have a definite dysfunction with race and Mm -hmm. white supremacy and racism in this country there's no need to exacerbate the natural phenomenon of pain and Mm. the kind of pain that we have to spend our whole lives healing there's no reason that any group any race any kind of person should experience the intensity of racial trauma there's absolutely no reason for that and when you look like people can be born at the exact same time even pretty close to each other so they'll have very similar karmic patterns in their birth chart but when you have one of those people is born you know as a black girl and one of them is born a white you know straight cisgender man that you're gonna have two very different pictures and there's something interesting uh, about that to me too because that can you can look exactly the same too, and you'll still have different lives. I'm just saying there's no need. There's absolutely no way to spiritually, you know, justify uh, like the intensity of trauma that comes with being black or being an indigenous person and, or an immigrant in the United States. There's no need. People are going to have traumas anyway. People die you know, people close to you, that's not an uncommon thing is to, or be, to be separated from someone or to have dysfunction in your family or alcoholism or drug abuse. Like the, these things will find you, you know, the, the hard things that have to be confronted. I don't really know anyone who doesn't have their story, mm-hmm. but there's no need for some people to be burdened with 10 times the weight, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So that's, I think that's important to kind of put an asterisk there as we're having this conversation. But, mm-hmm. but it is interesting to me, no one is born without. It's either you can really integrate that into your awareness or it stays like something that you shove off. Thank you for that. I think that is such a good reminder that we all have trauma. We all experience our trauma differently and to give some grace to that and also why add more trauma of just being in a racist society like I just would love if we could evolve this culture and move forward Mm -hmm. and not have a racist culture like what would that look like what would that feel like how can we get there and Uh, Yeah, I just, I want us to move in that direction. I think we are, to be honest. I do. Like, I, Mm -hmm. as an astrologer, Mm -hmm. I have to think that the first 
conjunction, it's very significant. The cycles of Saturn and Jupiter, which are both very socially, they they show up and their effects show up in these very social like kinds of ways, our society, our our education, or our you know, systems. They're usually those planets really dictate the rules and the regulations, but also the opportunities in our society and our world. And the fact that we are beginning this new cycle come the end of 2020 in air signs, not just in, in air signs, but in Aquarius, which has been lauded we've, with that we are entering the Aquarian age, the age of equality, the age of opportunity for all people, and that the Aquarian energy permeates between different appearances to connect people. It doesn't erase, it doesn't erase different cultures or different lived experiences, but it unifies. It brings, it acknowledges those different modes of, of being and it it's cohesive. But it's it says the buck stops here. You can't there is no room for patriarchy here. Just not to say that patriarchy is going to suddenly not exist. But I do think we, especially with the pressures of climate change, our time is not what it used to be. And with technology just rapidly changing the way we interface with each other, I really do believe all the signs are pointing to um, us really hunkering down and figuring out how to move on from the baggage of the past and correct and bring justice to our shortcomings and where we've empowered some people for really earthly reasons or whatever, like that, that kind of free market capitalist thinking of if you got somewhere, if you're on top, that's because you deserve to be on top. That is not an Aquarian idea. Capricorn <laughs> ideal. Yeah. Not an Aquarian idea. Yeah. Aquarians are like, no, nobody should have that much. We're getting, <laughs> yes. we're gleaming into it. But I think this is where we really start to have these conversations. It's air sign, so it's all. Com- we're. Ha- it'll be a, a long period of conversations of me when mm. we regroup this, we do this in a communicative way we'll do it through technology we'll do it mm-hmm. through instruments of of power of society mm. we do it through the spoken word this is, this is something we need to keep having conversations about but and i think there's a little bit of there's going to be some resistance right. um, but this is where where we're going i don't mm-hmm. i think we're going to move fast and hard away from the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I see it happening. But it's a All hard over. moment. It's like mm-hmm. this is the this is the leading up to that. This is the painful surfacing of mm-hmm. when we thought when we told ourselves we were doing that and then we lied or we weren't. We mm-hmm. buried something. What did we bury? There's no place for that anymore. We're, you know. So it's a really hard moment for some people to stay engaged with but it is absolutely necessary as well. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I agree. I'm curious, just looking at all of these astrological signs, so you're saying we're moving into the age of Aquarius and that this has been, has this been the age of Capricorn that we've been in? So it actually moves the age cycle, but the ages happen over a period of about 2000 years. So since Mm -hmm. the coming of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We've been in the Pisces, the age of Pisces, mm-hmm. um, which has been, when you look at the past 2000 years, a lot of, it's not that we have stopped having war. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know that racism will necessarily go away either, but our relationship to these things do change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we moved from the Aries age for 2000 BC to, you know, zero common era to the age of Pisces, where suddenly all our wars had a very religious kind of tone to them. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of like the Crusades and and redef- the emergence and then the constant political redefining of Christianity. And, you know, Islam came in and around, I think, like 700 uh, co- common era. I'm not much of a religious history person. I, mm-hmm. I was a history major, but only a little of that overlapped with mm-hmm. religious studies. But there was this kind of uh, spiritual dimension to the Piscean age. The Aquarian age is more about our society and more about the world at large, the global like society. So it was around 2000 is, was always the coming of the Aquarian age. And oh. a lot of astrologers say there's a shadow period before then of maybe one or 200 years and a shadow period after that of one and 200 years. So some people think it'll take like a few hundred years to really be in the age of Aquarius. But in any case, I think that the fact that Aquarius is the zodiac sign in which the Saturn and uh, Jupiter conjunctions and air signs are happening, mm-hmm. that it begins with Aquarius is very symbolic. Pluto will also move into Aquarius soon. So that will mean a total restructuring of all kinds of social systems, mm-hmm. um, especially those that are meant to elevate other people. We have to completely throw away what hasn't been working. I think like police reform is going to be so the the shift period, especially mm-hmm. from Capricorn to Aquarius, it's going to be huge and prisons. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. It does not make sense with our money, with our morals, what we say our morals are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Aquarius, I think is very prominent for, for our, our time right now and the equality that has to do with that energy and the pursuit of like social justice Mm -hmm. yeah I love that oh my gosh so I'm curious thinking of pulling tarot into this time too would you be interested in pulling some cards looking at this time and seeing if anything comes through with that yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to take a minute and I have my Rider weight deck here. I know on my website, I say I use the cool. Astara deck a lot, but just so that anyone who's listening to the podcast, the Rider weight is the most like popularly used deck. So the images are going to be probably some of the first ones you find if you decide to look these up at mm-hmm. home or something. So um, just give me a minute here. Yeah, take your time. And maybe I should ask a question that's more specific. What is some advice for moving forward in a way that is beneficial to all people? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I knew I was going to end up pulling the world. (laughs) Oh, interesting. (laughs) That is funny. Yeah. So the cards I've pulled, and I'm putting them in a sort of diamond formation. If you're thinking about the diamond as like a north, south, east, west compass, in the north I have page of wands. In the Mm -hmm. south, I have the empress. Whoo! 
that's uh, I'm already getting some pings there. In the uh, West, I have the world. And in the East, I have Queen of Cups. To me, you know, there are a lot of readers who, for whom being able to associate those cardinal directions with a card is very... I know there are definitely some in indigenous traditions where the calling in of the, the cardinal directions. directions is a very big... I, I think even in some like European-derived spirituality. But for me, I, I don't think I'm... That's not... That alignment, it may ring true for you if you are someone who really knows kind of the influences of the cardinal directions. For me, it's kind of more of like an arrow in a way. Mm -hmm. I think the world and the queen of cups are sort of working on the same level together. I think the empress is coming in on this very, on the really the earth plane and the more celestial or spiritual plane, the page of wands. So we have, let's just look at the world and the queen of cups together. Yeah. it's interesting to me that we have the Queen of Cups and the Empress here because these are both highly compassionate female uh, figures who are sitting on their thrones. It should be said for the Rider Waite deck. These were designed by Pamela Coleman Smith, who was a black gypsy woman. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I feel there's a lot of blessing in these cards, even though they were she did these as commission for uh, weight, so it was it had to align with his vision. But there are definitely some decks if people are interested that use a lot more people of color and images in a literal or more like abstract way, whether they're drawings or literal photographs. So they might be of interest to you. They might resonate with you more. This is the most commonly used deck as of right now, so it's one that I've really trained with. But absolutely understand if some of the images here don't necessarily resonate for you based on that kind of huge <laughs> focus on white bodies. With that being said, I'm going to kind of like tune into the energies of these cards more than their race-based manifestation, if that makes sense. That totally um, makes sense. And thank you for naming that. I think that's really interesting. And I'd love to research more decks that have a little more diversity too. So that's, I think that's a good reminder. Yeah. I've seen okay. a lot on Instagram and there are some that I've seen that are um, very more focused on a diversity of colors or sizes, shapes of bodies. Unfortunately, that was not what Arthur Waite directed to mm -hmm. happen. And we might have a shift and, you know, we all might decide to kind of stop using this deck more. But I do think there's something to this deck in terms of the other images and the connection b between the figures, scenery and objects here. Mm -hmm. So, again, we have uh, the cards pulled are the Page of Wands in the north, the World in the west, the Empress in the south, Queen of Cups in the east. So we have the Queen of Cups and the Empress. So we have two females sitting on thrones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I love that. I love it. And with the Empress <laughs> in the Rider Waite deck, there's the added symbolism of a carved shield with the glyph of Venus on it. So very mm. strong, you know, yin energy to the mm. Empress. Her her dress is adorned with, I believe, their pomegranates. And she's surrounded by nature. In some deck design, she's also pregnant. So she's very fertile. She's got running water. She has grass. She has trees. Like there's 
a lot of natural nature-based imagery, like Mother Earth kind of imagery for the Empress. And the Queen of Cups is our other, you know, like feminine figure here sitting on a, on a throne. And out of all the queens, the Queen of Cups is absolutely the most emotionally and intuitively based figure. While some of the other queens might have to do with power, accomplishment, their journey, their material successes, or their intellect, the Queen of Cups is an open heart. Now that, is the, that is the way she leads. That is how she, that is what she puts forward into the world. And that's how she has made her way to where she is on the throne is by leading with the heart. Mm -hmm. I think this is challenging because there's a lot going on in terms of how we're redefining or defining ourselves that happens through language. Again, Mm -hmm. astrologically, we know with the prevalence of air signs in this transition, that the words that we use are very important. The language that we that is or isn't being used is very important. With the Queen of Cups and the Empress, I mean, that there's definitely a calling for us to really tune into the divine feminine here and to mm. understand the hearts of other people. And that works for everyone. No one is excluded from that. It's not, it's not for anyone to get caught up with, why isn't someone compassionate towards me? It's where is my opportunity to be compassionate and to not think mm-hmm. about any of these problems as a logistical argument, as this is fundamental to the health and the emotional sanity and well-being of people, this problem. It's very important for us to be able to show up in reverence and respect to feminine energy here. And that is how we find our way to like divine grace and favor. The world, I mean, I knew this was going to come up because (laughs) (laughs) it is this ultimate arrival point. The world Uh is like the completion of a cycle. There's Mm -hmm. a wreath that connects all the way around this figure who's dancing in the middle of it. And all the different elements are represented by the fixed signs, like mascots, I guess. So we have a lion for Leo, a bull for Taurus, an eagle for Scorpio, and the head of a human for Aquarius. So it's about completion. And I do think You know, all the different parts, again, are represented here in equal space and equal measure, and they all come to form this complete picture. And when all those things can come together, there's dancing. Like, there's something, you know, I know how absolutely, uh, like, you cannot look away from how hard the work is here for everyone. Speaking as you know, as a, as a white person, and this is not even the worst place to be right now, mm-hmm. but there's still a pain and, a sh- and in looking at the parts of yourself you're ashamed of and mm-hmm. have gone against everything you wanted to be and all the ways you wanted to show up in the world. There's unmistakable pain. I mean, that's, that's just nothing compared to being, you know, a woman who's a black woman who's lost a child or has not uh, because of so many different figures that could come in and take that from me. I mean, there's so Mm -hmm. much grief and I think there's work that we all need to do in our own kind of groups 
Like, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of work that white people need to do with each other and together. Yeah. And there's a lot of healing to be found with, from black people with other black people that you can't really get on that same level with like, say white people. So there's work that's happening separately, Mm -hmm. but we all have to know that we don't get to dance (laughs) Mm -hmm. until we can do this work and then show up for and show up in our best honor with each other. And I know it's weird to, to think like, you know, if I'm feeling dishonored, if I'm feeling ashamed right now by looking at myself and all the the terrible things I've said or the ways that I've mistreated people or the silence I've put out there, like, Mm -hmm. then how can I feel close to that? But I think there, you need to, we all need to feel connected to the work that we're doing and understand that there is a better future that this is all for and that's when we get to dance you know oh I love that and in our last card the page of wands this is interesting like all the rest of these cards make a lot of sense to me Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like it totally makes sense that these cards would show up the page of wands I mean that's kind of a surprise this is a very like young you know I guess it's no surprise it's like we really are starting on the journey of this Mm -hmm. if we are truly awakening to the journey of healing and of becoming empowered people and to not and to always shine a light on those dark places of ourselves like to to really be able to embody ourselves fully which is very much in that wands suit the fire suit it's very much like this being able to feel totally embodied and spirited in yourself to really connect with spirit and that's wands property then the page here says we're at the beginning of this journey Wands suit is also about journeys I, I think of a lot in terms of really like the way that the spirit connects to earthly journeys. And I think we're at the beginning and there's, there's something about all the pages that wants to learn. And Mm. that's where we need to, that's where our North star, I guess, kind of is right now. We need to be moving towards learning and a learning about our own spirit, learning about like the spirits of others and their experiences and with the intention that once we can complete this journey, we are showing up in our true authenticity. We can be leaders, all of this coming together. It's, I can't stop seeing just that emphasis on these divine women, queen of cups and the empress who are really like in the power. And I, have felt for a long time like a big part of moving out of this it's not only moving away from like it is about moving away from racism and violence and socially entrenched things that oppress people but that necessitates moving into femininity and away from patriarchy to me Mm, like mm -hmm. why is it that we as white women have been like there's there's some kind of paradox with us where we you know white women have never had that same kind of comfort and security in their day-to-day world as white men but we have 
chosen to protect and elevate white men um, Mm. because we find that there's some kind of security there. All the astrology is also pointing to if if where things are now and what they're about to move out of is in Capricorn, which is a sign that has a lot to do with patriarchy in its most Mm -hmm. negative form, then we need to, that's going to have to be left behind and we embrace you know, and it's not, and that doesn't mean like just cis womanhood. It, I mean, it's like anything that where our society is not structured around this paternalist punishment kind of method. It's, it's that we have compassion for other people. That's absolutely mm-hmm. necessary for us. We can't go on trying the power over method. It's power with the yeah. empress, you know, she, her power is literally in her belly with what she's being able to nourish and give her body to create. Mm-hmm. And cool. that is like unmistakable here. The queen of cups just reinforces that this is a very emotional, emotionally driven process that we need to stay in our dignity about and not delve into you know fear or anxiety it is up to us to come back to a center of of calm and trust and love um the world i mean this is this is it this is it for us this is what we have to be doing no if this is our purpose mm-hmm. um, absolutely the, you know there's no question uh, about that some people will some white people, especially who are really deep in it, will want to say, well, is this really necessary? Do we really need to, this will all blow over, right? And absolutely not. No, yeah. um, this is our purpose. This is our divine, you know, problem that we've been handed down. And with the page of wands, I think we need to know where we're starting and how long that road might be, but to always keep that flame alive in us. I've been, and this isn't something I felt the need to share on Instagram or anything like that, but I've been, I've started collaging a lot over quarantine Mm -hmm. and I've started journaling and I'm brainstorming collaging ideas for my own kind of growth or my own accountability with Mm. confronting white supremacy in my own life and in Mm -hmm. my own self. There are ways to do this creatively. There Mm -hmm. are ways to not lose the spark of what this can bring into the world and what we can be a part of right now. I love that. Yeah. That's so good. Oh my gosh. Anastasia, what are, I love that idea of journaling about it and making art make visualizing it making it yes. real in from some the page way? of wands to the empress like there's there are different kinds of creativity mm-hmm. but they're both have a lot of creative potential let the creativity of this process inspire you not shut you down don't mm-hmm. let this don't let how many different paths not just paths but like don't let how many different things are coming up and how many different roads we all have to walk on this intimidate you like this is what we're here to do we're here to learn how to leverage ourselves for the good of others and how to do this in a creative way and when life hands us a challenge we can say yes we can take it up it doesn't have to be this kind of burden this can be a joyful exercise and in some ways you can't again like I've said there are going to be times you can't get around you can't like you know, joy or creative yourself out of how, of the, of the shame of having to look at the dark parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. But there are going to be moments and opportunities for us to 
be loving about this, truly loving and connect and let that be what leads us. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder because I can get into that kind of mucky, shameful place and just feeling guilt over not having done more sooner and still not doing enough now. That's all well and good to have guilt and shame, but it's also, it doesn't help me move forward. So I think that's a good reminder to use some of that creative fire to start visualizing ways to actually make a difference and make shifts and make changes and start getting into just how can we evolve and move things forward? Yes. And, you know, there's a lot that's at stake that we can stay engaged. It's literally the world. And I mean, I encourage, I I encourage us all to think about how are we going to use that shame we cannot afford to let this shut us down. The empress, mm-hmm. a, pre- a pregnant woman, reminds us that life is going to continue to happen. There are going mm-hmm. to be new people that come into the world every day, new generations. How are we going to protect them? Like, how mm-hmm. can this come from a place of love and concern more so than than hate and fear? Mm-hmm. Um, and the page of wands, like, as long as we can accept that we're at the beginning of this road that we have to walk, then there's, so these are questions I don't necessarily have an answer to, but I do think based on um, that question of how, how do we kind of move forward? How do we engage with this issue? There's clearly an answer. Like we have to embrace where we are and feel that fire in us of the possibility of all the things that can change to, to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. I love that. Just feeling that divine feminine really sinking into that compassionate place. And I like that page of wands, just thinking of like dreaming and also that curiosity. I think there's kind of with that card, I think of just a little bit of playfulness. Yeah. Kind of like a curious student who's like dreaming of new ways of doing things. Yes. That is exactly it. I I love those cards that came up. That's such a, that's just the perfect encapsulation of, of an invitation for how to move forward. It's a really great, what a gift. It is. I mean, yeah, we can, we really are destined to do this work. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we are destined to fix these issues. It's all within our capability I think it's like, don't lose the love. Don't mm-hmm. lose your, your connection to love and to source and to the earth and, you know, and find the fire. What brought you here? Mm-hmm. What brought you here? For me, I, I kind of have known for a long time that the thought that, you know, white supremacy can stop in my lineage with me. I think this was work started by my mother, but absolutely not by my, by my father. I mean, Mm -hmm. he'll be in denial until the day that he dies. And I think just looking and saying, I can choose a partner. I can create, I can have this family. I can end this within my own line, like where Mm -hmm. I can have some kind of control. You can never control other people, but I can control, you know, how I, 
foster like my family's relationship to you know people who don't look like us mm-hmm. there's and that excites me it excites me to think this could be the lifetime that i can address and address old karma and make that so much less of a burden for other people yeah there's excitement here there sh- we we can't uh, yes stay with the heavy feeling absolutely mm-hmm absolutely stay with the outrage absolutely stay with the disgust or the shame not just like within yourself but what you see going on in the world mm-hmm. but there is excitement and there is joy and there is love everywhere none of us are are forsaken that is our birthright mm. oh my gosh that's so beautiful thank you anastasia i totally want to honor your time too i'm curious are there other things coming up as we're beginning to wrap up that you want to be sure come through and also how can we support you during this time and any advice you have for supporting other people kind of a mix of lots lots of things sure kind of thrown out there. <laughs> No, well, I want to say, you know, thank you. This is like my first time being on a podcast. Definitely not the first time having these conversations with people, but yeah. being on a podcast is exciting. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so fun um, having you. Yeah, and I, I, I do encourage because I know I'm sure most of your listeners are people who are in this kind of branch of being, a, you know, spiritual leaders and you know doing herbalism and you know, either trauma work or meditation connectivity, like whatever it is. And I know that, you know, there are definitely a lot of white people in those spaces, definitely not only white people. And I think that varies from region. I I hope we're all having compassion for the people who are grieving right now. I hope Mm -hmm. that that is at the forefront of the choices that we're making and how to show up in the world and I'm also curious to start learning about the legacy of non-white religions and mm. spiritual practices that once, you know, white settlers and co- colonials showed up at those places, they were suppressed. And so this is really just like a thought that's been lingering for the past few days is what is my responsibility as a spiritual practitioner however i define that to honor the ways that other people might connect to spirit and those ways that my lineage and my ancestors were responsible for suppressing another people how can i come into the world now to not suppress but to encourage and love those other methods and to be a voice pointing towards all those methods of connecting to spirit. I like that thinking of how to clean up some of the karma of previous generations and uh, previous ancestors and looking at that and trying to re-examine and see what healing we can do now in this present time. It sounds heavy, but I think it is healing for everyone. So how can people work with you? How can we support you and find your work? Yes. So I do have a private Instagram account. It is Stage Hansen. My name is S-T-A-J. 
H-A-N-S-O-N, no underscore anything. And if you are like connecting with me from this podcast, I will absolutely let you in. And then if you would like to reach out to me through my website, my website is stagehanson.com. And it's the same thing, S-T-A-J-H-A-N-S-O-N.com. I have a link on my page so that you can book with me. And there's a little message box forum there. And if you right now during COVID, I've been doing suggested donations. If you are unemployed, I don't want you to feel like this isn't accessible. You know, talking about where you're at and what you need to process isn't accessible. So I'm doing it by suggested donations and all sliding scales right now. If you are, you know, fortunately employed and pretty secure, I would probably ask a certain number but if you're unemployed I don't want that to come in the way I love doing this work and I'm lucky to be employed in other ways also so please do reach out to me through my website that has been a pretty reliable way or hit me up on the insta yay oh my gosh that's such a generous gift thank you for offering that so that's really beautiful and so generous so thank you for and if you can donate to a organization that is helping to divest from other police or other resources that aren't doing any good and give it back to communities of color or support a bail fund. I think LA is currently the city with the most arrests of people who have been peacefully protesting, which has been Mm. pretty much everybody. So, So yeah, I don't need money from people who are tight right now and if you do have the means please do to give it where it matters yes oh my gosh I love that reminder thank you Anastasia I just I love you so much and I love the work that you're doing in this world it's so important and really beautiful and thank you for the reading and all the messages and uh, wisdom that you shared today it's just such a gift and I'm so excited Uh, to put this out into the world and thank thank you you for your time it was an absolute pleasure thank you (laughs) thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode please be sure to connect with stage hansen on instagram at stage hansen and visit her wonderful website www.stagehansen.com Thank you so much for being a wonderful listener, and I appreciate you being here. If you are digging the show, please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and or you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You just go to Apple Podcasts, look up Time in the Studio, click on the link, and leave a review. It takes less than two minutes, and it means the world to me. Thank you in advance. And let's be friends. Let's connect on Instagram, Facebook, or via my newsletter. You can just look for Time in the Studio podcast or www.adazia.com. I hope you're well, and please do whatever you need to do for yourself to take care of your soul. Enjoy your time, and thanks again. Till next week. <laughs>